Romans. The gospel of Rome, I mean the first epistle of Romans, chapter 5. Chapter 5. We'll begin at verse 1. We'll take a few verses of scripture. Amen. When you get your verse, why don't you just look at the person next to you and say, your trial's almost over. Amen. Tell them, did you hear me? Tough times are almost over. Amen. Amen. If you believe that, give God a shout. Amen. Amen. Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access, would you say access? By faith into his grace. Wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience experience. Experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. I want to preach for a few moments on this subject. After all I've been through, it's got to happen. Would you turn to somebody and just tell them after all I've been through, it's got to happen. Come on, tell somebody it's got to happen. If you believe God's going to do something good for somebody, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? And would you give him a shout of victory? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. The Lord bless you and you may be seated in the name of the Lord. The book of Romans is regarded as the book of revival or the fifth gospel. It is Paul's presentation to us about the gospel in doctrine. In the first four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are different in, in that they give us a historical and geographical presentation of Jesus Christ, proving to us his earthly Existence. He did not go more than a hundred miles from his place of birth. 
This establishing endows us with the humanity of Jesus. We see then in the first four Gospels the uniqueness of the Christ event. We see his birth, his life, his ministry, his passion, and his death, burial, and resurrection. All in the Gospels. But in the Gospels, we do not find the doctrinal impact only what but not the why. We only find the what happened in the four Gospels. But we don't find the why it happened. The theological impact then of Romans is found that you have justification, propitiation, reconciliation, sanctification, and adoption. Romans chapter 1, Paul focuses on mankind and says, because you would not glorify God and were ungrateful to God, you are now turned to reprobacy. You are allowed to have it the way you keep thinking, which is against the thoughts of God. So God lets man have his own way with himself. When you take God out of your thinking, you become unnatural. Chapter 2 tells us to the Jews, because you were born in truth, you had the law, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. You had all the religious trappings, Israel, but you still don't know God. Chapter 3 rounds it off by saying all have sinned. Everybody, touch somebody and say everybody sinned and come short. Come on, tell somebody we come short of the glory of God. Before man can be brought to justification, he must first feel or come to conviction. We only come to Jesus when we discover that what we that we can't do this by ourselves. Our utter depravity, we realize how depraved we are, how lost we are, and that brings us into conviction. And we start saying, I've got to have God. Chapter 4 and 5 deals with justification. Here Paul proves that man can no more justify himself than Abraham can beget a child at 100 years of age with a wife who is 90. He points out the utter impossibility for self-justification. Justification by faith is a position that we are placed because of being born again. Tell somebody next to you, I'm born again, therefore I'm justified because I've been born again. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you've been born again? When you're born again, your sins are washed away. Amen. So far that, that God cannot remember them again. Now you may remember it, but God has forgot about your sin. It is here that Paul proves that the other hopelessness of man is and was forever reversed with and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He proves that hopelessness has no control because God raised Jesus from the dead. And now he can raise you from any situation or circumstance that you're in. A breakthrough is yours on the basis of the new hope of the resurrection. We only have hope of help because Jesus has been raised from the dead. 
Now, I know this isn't Easter, and I almost didn't preach what I was feeling because it wasn't Easter. We're normally geared for only Easter sermons about the resurrection, but, but the Lord wanted this this morning to tell somebody that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, you have hope in the middle of September. Come on, tell somebody, I've got hope today because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Therefore, there is no circumstance or situation that you are in that can restrain, restrict, resist, or repulse the resurrection power that is in you by the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm going to tell you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you. And if it raised Jesus from the dead, it can raise you out of anything that you're in. My future then is predicated upon the resurrection of Jesus. This revelation brings me into the revelation because of Jesus, I now have expectation, which means my future is limitless. Look at somebody say, my future is limitless. Tell somebody, my future is limitless. Now some of you, are seasoned Pentecostals and I, I just going to just dig a little. Some of you are seasoned Pentecostals and you're comfortable where you're at. Calm, cool, and collected, nice little hand claps. And look at somebody say, don't get too comfy. <laughs> Tell somebody, don't get too comfy now. Amen, because there's more to go. Can I say to this church, don't get too comfortable now because you're about to end up in a building that'll seat 15, 1,600 people and it's not going to take any time and it's going to be full. It's not going to be full with just observers. It's going to be full of people looking for resurrection power. And you are living witnesses that you were dead, but when you got the Holy Ghost, you were made alive. Come on, somebody. The resurrection revelation then not only assists in you being born again and raised to walk in the newness of life, but now it is the single most motivating factor to my faith and my hope in a world full of decadence and decay. Now we stand in circumstances that are debilitating destructive, knowing that because God raised Jesus from the dead, I am expecting help at any moment. If God could raise Jesus from the dead, then he could raise me out of my mess at any moment. You could turn your phone on when you get out of this building and you got the message you've been waiting on for weeks. Uh, this bill's paid off. You finally got cleared for the house. You got approved for the car. Your medical situation has turned around. The x-ray proves you are healed of the tumor that they said last week that you had. You are one phone call away from resurrection power giving you a new message. Touch somebody and say, God can do it again. He can bring you out. He can bring your family out. He can bring your finances out of failure. He can bring the backslider back. Come on, say, he can bring the backslider back. He can bring your community out by the same power that he raised the man, Christ Jesus. He could bring you out. 
So today we do not walk away hopeless. We walk away with expectation. Any day now, God is going to change my situation and my circumstance. It was the German scholar Kierkegaard that said, if anybody should have stayed dead, it should have been Jesus. Because he died the death of the whole world and all men. There's seven billion on the planet now. It's estimated that there have been a total of 13 billion people all of lifetime on this planet. He took upon him the sin of the whole world. And yet on the third day, he got up. He was raised from the dead with 13 billion people's sins on him and in him. This gives us expectation and hope. In the resurrection, there is hope for the impossible to be made possible. If we cannot deny that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you shouldn't deny that it could come to pass for you today. So the precedent for victory is in hope. And hope is predicated by the love of God. And hope is presented by the resurrection. So today we look at a church that's full of people who no doubt have come with a plethora of problems. But if I were the devil, I would be nervous because you have walked into the house of God looking for a word from the Lord. The devil should have left Jesus alone. But because Jesus lives now, I've got to deal with this church full of people who are expecting resurrection to be raised out of your dilemma, to be raised out of your financial crisis, to be raised out of your medical situation, to be raised out of your despondency, to be raised out of your addiction. Come on, somebody. They believe weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. They believe no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This could be the day and the night that I'm coming out of my mess. Jurgen Moltmann said, faith realizes the dawn of future in the Christ event. Is there anything too hard for God? Look at somebody and ask him, is there anything too hard for for God. Ask somebody, is there anything too hard for God? There is no situation beyond his control. I will not sit here and be sad and despondent and full of despair, but I will praise him through my expectation. Your situation is just a setup for God to show out. Look at somebody and say, my situation is a setup for God to show out. Tell somebody, God's about to show out. God's about to blow somebody's mind. God's about to show somebody, amen, I'm still in charge of your mess. I'm still in charge of your health. I'm still in charge of your finances. I'm still in charge of your future. I'm God. God is arranging for a miraculous intervention. Your faith is founded on expectation through the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, you now have hope. Touch somebody and say, I got hope. 
Amen. So note, we were in enmity. But the blood of Jesus brings us to him and him to me. Because sin separated me from God and God from me. But now when he looks at me through the blood, test somebody say through the blood, your position changes. Now you have peace with God. Devil, you mess with our situation, but you can't change our revelation. My revelation trumps my situation. Amen. The devil may be looking at your situation, but your revelation changes your situation. Tell somebody, my revelation has changed my situation. The blood of Jesus is against the devil. I have been made nigh, which means near in relation, by the blood. You and Jesus are kinfolk. Sorry, I got a little southern on you. Look at somebody say, me and Jesus, we're hooked up by the blood. Amen. Hell always attacks the favored. When he had you, why fight you? Ain't no fighting in that. He's already got you. Why fight you? But when you are born again, you're born from death to life. You've got resurrection power in you. There's an old man walking in new shoes. That's when the devil has to fight. Why? Because I was thinking about it again this morning. Because the devil, when Lucifer became the devil. Did you hear that? Lucifer became the devil. I got three amens over here. I said Lucifer became the devil. The devil was not created. I got a bunch of amens over here. Didn't get too many from over there. I said, Lucifer was not created. Or was not eternal. Lucifer was created. He is not eternal. He was not created the devil. He was created the anointed cherub that covereth. Tell somebody he was the highest ranking angel God made. Lucifer, the anointed cherub, was perfect in his creation until iniquity was found in him. And when iniquity was found in him, the Bible says he became the devil. Lucifer became the devil when he went against God's word. What I'm saying to you now is now that he's a devil, he knows what you have coming. He knows the beauty of heaven. He knows the beauty of being in the presence of God. And now he knows God has never given a moment's thought in the word of God. There is not one place where God ever gave consideration to the restoration of the devil or one third of the angels that went with him. Never give them a moment's notice at restoration. But Adam and Eve fell and God has literally moved heaven and earth to open the door for restoration to any and everybody. 
That's why if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can lift your hands here in a minute and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll forgive you of your sins. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name and God will forgive your sins forever. Look at somebody and say, God's forgot my sins because I've been born again. Some say, well, I just don't think that's necessary. Well, We'll give you a Bible study later, but just suffice it to say, when you are born again, repent, baptize in Jesus' name for the remission. So, well, I just want to get baptized, you know, just show I got faith. No, that ain't why you do it. You baptize in Jesus' name for the remission. Tell somebody, for the remission of my sins, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Tell somebody next to you, I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission the blotting out, the removing of my sins. Doesn't say you come and accept Jesus. Doesn't say you do any of that. It says you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Touch somebody say, in the name of Jesus. For the remission. Tell somebody, for the remission of your sins. You are baptized in Jesus' name. What does it mean? That means when you go up in that baptistry and pastor puts you down in Jesus' name and you come up out of the water as fast as he can put you down and pull you up, God gets amnesia. Never remembers you as a sinner. You become a new creature in Christ. So whenever you are born again, hell will attack the favored. Though we are favored and anointed many times, the situation says everything but that. I'm anointed for trouble. You are anointed for pain. You are anointed for the problem you're going through. You're anointed to deal with the sickness. You're anointed to deal with the disease. You're anointed to deal with the financial difficulty. God has anointed you to deal with your situation. Romans 5 brings us into our tribulation. This means I'm getting close to destiny. The prophetic and the promise. Now I'm almost done. Tell somebody my trouble. Tell somebody my trouble. Tells me I'm close to hope. The devil is so stupid when he puts us in tribulation and trouble because to the saint of God we know that tribulation means I am close now to destiny to the prophetic to the promise my enemy knows therefore the fight is on now I may just be preaching to two people I know I know I'm not preaching everybody but I may be preaching just two or three people I'm telling you, he's messing with your mind and your spirit and your faith, your hope, your family, your finances, because he knows. He knows. So he sends tribulation. But what he doesn't know when tribulation comes is tribulation is working patience, which is hupomone. Which means to wait under, to remain, don't move, don't run, don't leave, don't quit. Because you are waiting now in your tribulation. So look at somebody and say, hoopamone. Your tribulation is working patience. Because the place of blessing is in the trial and tribulation. He prepares a table 
in the presence of your enemy. Mm. Look at somebody and say, there's a table spread in the presence of my enemy. Take somebody by the hand. Tell them, say, in the presence of my enemy, there's a table prepared. Your enemy is about to get you blessed, ma'am. So if I'm about to get blessed, what do I do, preacher? You have to have patience. Hupamone. You have to wait him out. You have to wait out the liar. You have to wait out the cheater. You have to wait out the gossiper. You have to wait out the one that's mocked you and made fun of your, of your being saved. You have to wait. You got to wait out the devil because the devil has no staying power. So how do you wait, wait him out? You keep on praising the Lord because I'm not going to wait it out without praising the Lord. That's what you got to understand. Your praise is not a feeling that produces praise. Your praise is a fact. I'm praising God because he's able. I'm praising God because he's still able. I'm praising God because as I'm praising in him, he's bringing me out. And then experience is Dakamazo. Tribulation worketh Hupamone. Hupamone worketh Dakamazo. Dakamazo is to be approved. Look at somebody and say, You're almost approved. We have trials and tests we go through. Through the days of our development in our, uh, our growth cycle. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And as you go through it, you're going to have tests and trials. It's going to be, uh, I wish there was some, such a thing as growth without growing pains. There's no such thing as growth, natural or spiritual, without growing pains. So watch. A vehicle is tested through all circumstances. When they make a new vehicle, they prepare it and they get it all set up. They run it through rainstorms. They run it through, st- they run it through windstorms. They put it in the wind tunnels. They blast wind against it. They blast hail against it and ice chunks. They, they put it in wrecks in the front, on the side. They let it get hit. They let it do the hitting. They let it get rear-ended. They check it. They test it. They remake it. And when they put it on the lot, they're saying, that's Dakamazo. Can I tell you that whenever you're going through something, God is just getting you ready for approval. Tell somebody and say, I'm being approved while I'm being tested. Hope then maketh not ashamed. Come on, musicians. Hope then makes us not ashamed. It means to shame down, to put to disgust. To be made to blush, to be dishonored, or to confound. I've come to tell somebody today, you have hope. And after everything you've been through, tell somebody, after everything I've been through, it's got to happen now. Now, I could have preached this high and hooped it up, but it's Sunday morning, and I don't want to mess up your Sunday morning clothes. But I want to tell the real folks. Hope maketh you not ashamed. 
hope says in spite of everything you're going through now I still believe I know my redeemer liveth Paul had to say it major tribulation major trials had physical disability had big bug eyes hunched over his speech was contemptible means he was squeaky voice kind of talk like that I know it doesn't make sense Paul Paul was like that yes he was Moses was like that he stuttered let my oh God wouldn't use somebody like that oh yes 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 I was teaching leadership here just a few weeks ago and told him I said see some some of y'all about 20 guys in there I see see all y'all want everybody in here to think that you're the boom shakalaka you the man with all that you the cat with knows where it's at you from the school of the cool Some of y'all never pray, so they call you to the pulpit. Somewhere between row 17 and the pulpit. Hey, Shia, you get a hold of it. That's why I can't pastor, because I, I just couldn't handle it. I, just, I couldn't have any assistance, because you're dead in a hammer until we give you the pulpit. It ain't shot by hot, glory. 20 feet from the chair to the pulpit, that you plug in. Well, why wouldn't you hit Shatan before you got the pulpit? That's what I had to tell him. You see, I didn't get any amens from over here. <laughs> I'm playing, but kind of eat. <laughs> I mean, somewhere 15 feet, boy, you can get a hold of it quick, can't you? <laughs> I, was, I was talking to them. They kind of got loose. Oh, yeah, amen, amen. I mean, I'm teaching, which means I'm not yelling, I'm telling. And it still is true, even if I yell at it, it'd still be true, just even I'm telling it. But y'all sitting here with no way, you know why? I said, because you're going through something. In the back row, seen one of the preachers double over. And I said, what we have to, we have to have a revelation about our mess. And the revelation about your tribulation is. If I got Dakamazo, it means I'm holding on. Why are you holding on? I'm holding on until hope comes alive in me. Hope. Why hope? Because hope maketh not ashamed. I've come to tell somebody in here this morning that your situation, your habit, whatever it is, your sin, your life, your work condition, situation, don't matter what it is, that's got you on the brink of catastrophe. Walking the bitter edge of life. And you're in here and you got about an inch between you and just throwing the towel in and giving completely up. I've come to tell you, after all you've been through, it's about to happen now. Touch somebody and say, it's about to happen. Would you lift your neighbor's hand right where you're at? Ilamoshatayalamaya. 
Go ahead and let the tears run. I know you're a seasoned saint, but let the tears run. I know it's tough. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. And as you feel a little bit of hope, would you stand to your feet? Because your hope is making you unashamed. I'm not afraid to stand and lift my hands. Say, God, I have hope. I will not be shamed down. I will not be put to disgust. I will not be made to blush. I will not be shoved into dishonor or a time of confounding. But I will bless your name. Anyhow. I'm opening these altars now for people that just want to just make a step in front of everybody. And say, I'm saved, but I'm just going through some stuff. I don't understand what's going on, but God, I'm coming. And the hope is in my heart. I've got my hands lifted. And I am believing you. That you're about to make a way out of no way. I don't think I can get the new house, but I'm contemplating applying anyway. God, I know you're about to make a way. Tired of throwing money out the window in a house rental. I'm going to buy now. Whatever it is. Come on in as close to the front as you can. Come on, people are coming behind you. Come as close to the altar as you can. Come as close as you can. Praise team's coming. I'm not preaching this to a high. I want someone to make a good, strong decision now. I have hope. Come on, young couple in ministry. Don't throw the towel in just yet. Come on, give God praise anyhow. Praise Him anyhow. God, I'm going to bless your name at all times. I'm going to bless you this Sunday morning just like I would if it was my turn to sing, if it was my turn to testify. I'm going to praise you in this crowd like you'd called me up front to give a private testimony. I'm going to bless your name right now, God. I'm going to lift my hands and call out for help. Because I need you. I need a door to open, God. I need you to make it clear. Come on, saints. Tears are running in this altar. Come on. Would you lift your hands up as they begin to sing and pray? You have hope. And hope will not make you ashamed.